Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Games Rig. This is Under Consultation, an episode by episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, offering you the chance to come and look at my joysticks in the back. And whispering in your ear from the nether regions of Dominic's platform, I am Ash Versus. And for the very, very last time, Ash, you and I are broadcasting from the Games Rig, left in the rubble of the Games Rig after it completely collapsed, uh, after Auntie Marisha blew the bloody thing up. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely got wet trouser bottoms, and the water's rising as well. Oh, yes, we're going to get through this quickly. So yeah, this is our series two wrap-up episode where we're going to go back, talk about our favourite moments, some of our least favourite moments from the series. We're a very positive podcast, so it's not going to be all doom and gloom. And we're going to get to hear from you as well because we got a ton of feedback for this series. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed doing series two of this show. Season two overall was head and shoulders above season one. And... Mm -hmm. Everything just fit into place. Everything clicked together. Dominic, despite the red blazer, <laughs> was very comfortable as the host. You had, overall, a good amount of guests. And even the kids began to find their feet. They began to come together and actually give a little back. Because season one, virtually every kid was terrified. Yes. But the kids for season two realised what they were getting themselves in for. And... If what we've already looked into of the future is anything to indicate, this only continues as we move into the realm of Season 3 in the Games Academy. Yeah, to peel back the curtain somewhere, we have actually already recorded Episode 1 of Series 3 by the time we're recording this wrap-up special. We've got a bit of a sense of what Series 3 has to offer us, but completely like about the kids, because the one that always jumps to mind for me is um, is Tim Kant. He's the guy that played Myth, and he basically came down and was just like, hey, Dominic Diamond, here's some knob gags. Do you want to do some knob gags with me? Okay, now, Tim, what have you brought down with you here? My joystick. All right, um... Why have you chosen this particular one for the challenge? Well, it's a hard game, a stiff challenge, so to thrash it, I need a well-used stick. Oh, 
That was season two, episode seven that Tim was on. Wow, was it really? Yeah, it was. was that early? Man, we weren't even in lockdown when we recorded that episode. (laughs) I think we were, actually, because we recorded, we definitely recorded six in lockdown because we did that one with Matthew. Yes, you're right. So actually, it would have been right at the beginning of lockdown, which also feels like a year ago as opposed to right. half a year ago. Yeah, because, fun fact for you guys, we'd, we'd already recorded, what, five episodes, I think, of Series 2 by the time lockdown started. Because we did the wrap-up virtually. Like, the wrap-up for Series 1 was the first virtual podcast that you and I did together for this show. And we did say, ah, it, we may just have to wait until lockdown's finished and we can get back into the studio before we start recording the rest of Series 2. <laughs> and then... <laughs> We released like episodes three and four, and then we saw a message that'd be like, "Oh, we may have to start recording some new episodes." <laughs> yeah, when we started this show, we had ten episodes in the can. <laughs> <laughs> then we just fell massively behind schedule. But we're we're doing better now. We're we're building the cash back up. We're getting there. Indeed, yeah. I'm hoping that I'm not going to have uh, days where I'm getting up at 5am. Uh, actually, no, I got up at half past four once on a Tuesday so I can get the edit finished for the podcast to go out at half past six in the morning, two hours later. Ah, oh, it's a level of dedication. Although, it, partly, that was all on me, really. It's because I didn't have enough time in the day to get it. And anyway, that's another story for another day. This is our Series 2 uh, wrap-up. So, let's kick things off by talking about our favourite challenges from Series 2. Ash, what have you got in store? What was your favourite challenge from Series 2? I look back, and in general, the majority of the challenges in this series were better than the worst challenges of Series 1. Mm-hmm. There were some brilliant celebrity challenges. There were some brilliant general challenges. But the one I'm going to go for is the journalist challenge. I'm going to go for the final of the Sonic 2 challenge. Absolutely, exactly. What a finale that was. As the show goes on, the challenges are getting better and better at the games. But... These two journalists had clearly spent a lot of time with Sonic 2, so that they went into this round knowing exactly what they needed to achieve, knowing exactly what the score was. And when you compare it to the same challenge that we saw on Games World... Yeah. ...where they didn't have a clue what they were doing. It's night and day. Absolutely night and day difference. Instantly, when it came down to, like, I looked at the form that we were going to fill out for this, you know, like, what was my favourite challenge... Instantly, the first thing that popped to mind was like that Sonic 2 finale, like the final of that tournament. I loved that tournament overall, but man, yeah, that final was just absolutely superb television. I've also got to agree with you as well. I mean, obviously, there was 26 episodes, which is 16 episodes more than we got for Series 1. But I just think the quality of challenges in Series 2 were so much better than they were. And actually, like, we'll talk about our least favorite challenge in the moment, but I really struggled to pick out like my least favorite challenge from the show because there aren't that many duffs going on. But as good as the challenge is, the other thing that I think makes that challenge top for me is the commentary as well. Dominic was having fun, but Jane Goldman was on commentary and more so, I think, than any other co-commentator in Series 2. She was giving the euphemisms back. It wasn't yeah. just diamondisms in that one. It was Goldmanisms. <laughs> Yes, she was awesome on those challenges. So that was my choice. And assuming that I haven't scuppered your choice by going that direction, (laughs) what was yours? Yeah, I mean, as I said, like the Sonic 2 finale definitely was from episode 24. But the one I'm going to pick out from episode 7, going back to episode 7, is Super Tennis. That absolutely 
awesome rally back and forth. It was so tense. It was so tight. It's easily the best tennis challenge that we've had on Games Master to date. But it was just like the drama of it. And because you had that lad that really, really wanted to win and he was getting frustrated and he was throwing his head back. He was like breathing heavily throughout it. I, I, just such a fun challenge. Sometimes you think the sports challenges are chosen because of where they fell under the Channel 4 budget. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a case of, well, they're easy ones to do because there is a natural competitiveness there. Mm -hmm. And we're still not in the realm of primetime one-on-one fighting games or even split-screen racing games. We're only just getting Mario Kart. We're only just getting into that era of games where what was happening with a split-screen game was both legible and interesting. Mm -hmm. But this challenge was just perfect not only because of the competitors but the crowd were into it yeah really really loved that challenge um coming to our least favorite challenge though i did find this one harder for series two there were challenges that were excellent and there were challenges that were bland but i don't think there were many challenges that were outright bad like just you know really really awfully bad it's not like the Terminator 2 puzzle challenge that we had in Series 1 or it, it's or Neighbours or anything like that. Nothing was like actively terrible. But for me, the challenge that I'm picking out on this, only because I think it is the challenge that had the most promise given the game and had the worst delivery, and that was Pinball Fantasies from Episode 10, when you had the triplets playing it and the only reason i'm picking that is because pinball fantasies is a great game and it's a game that dominic diamond loves you know he mentioned it several times in his big purple column what that game needed was people who knew how to play it and could get you know rack up the scores and really show off what the boards could do and make the challenge exciting what instead we got was three bored teenagers who didn't want to play the game looked like they didn't want to be there had a little bit of a squabble and then just played the game boringly yeah there was a level of apathy to those three that i can only mm. liken to kevin the teenager from harry enfield yeah it's almost like they didn't apply to be on the show like someone just made them go up they would have been better suited to season three because they were like kids waiting to see the headmaster they were just shuffling their feet <laughs> occasionally kind of rolling their eyes almost at the situation and the challenge itself wasn't particularly great but you are right there were very very few challenges if any that were just outright bad so uh, do you have pinball fantasy as well or do you have another pick i've got another pick and i think this is going to be controversial mm -hmm. because the people doing the challenge mm -hmm. are awesome okay everything around the challenge is awesome we spent an inordinate amount of time talking about this challenge mm -hmm. because the people involved were awesome but the challenge itself was bobbins <laughs> And that is Season 2, Episode 7, It's American Gladiators with Jet and Shadow. Oh, that's a bit of a surprising one for me, actually. They were great, mm -hmm. but the yeah, challenge itself was terrible because the game itself is terrible. Yeah, The really game was. itself was so bad that Jet had to change controllers after <laughs> one take because they go from both having joysticks to suddenly Shadow has a joystick and Jet has a joypad. Yeah. And I get the feeling of all the things I say on this podcast, this may be the one that gets complaints, more so than just proving <laughs> rightly that the SNES is better than Nintendo 64, <laughs> Cliff. 
this is the one that may get comments. But again, I'm not saying this about Jet and I'm not saying it about Shadow because those two were great. They were so much fun and it was so good to talk about Gladiators and about that period in time. But the challenge itself, and this is the worst challenge award, mm-hmm. the challenge was terrible. Yeah, you bang on the banana, really. Like I, I, And it's kind of the same thing could be said about the lads from The Bill because they were great and the conversation they had with Dominic Diamond was great and actually like you know getting to talk about the bill was a lot of fun but unfortunately they had to play Gallagher's Gallery which was not a good game usually at the grocery store you pick out foods you love but I'm picking out foods I hate and you're gonna shoot them I hate spinach and I hate olive and I hate anything I can for now No, Gallagher's Gallery was probably going to be one of my Mm runners-up. The only real reason that Gladiators ranked worse is because at least Gallagher's Gallery functioned as a game. They were able (laughs) to play it. Which actually is remarkable for an American laser game that it was still working because there's so many of those stories that those cabinets that would get shipped to somewhere and instantly just not work. Even if it was broken, I still suspect it would be more playable than American Gladiators. I've tried to play that game on stream and particularly that challenge, the kind of the final gauntlet. It's it's bad. It's a bad yeah. game. It's a bad yeah, game, yeah. Luke. Well, Let's talk about uh, celebrities then, because we had not, we didn't actually have 26 celebrities. I was about to say we had 26 celebrity challenges. We had more than 26 because we had a couple of bumper extra ones in there as well. We had the lad from the American football. We had Duncan Goodhue. So we've had quite a lot of celebrities on this show. So it's now time to give out the Annabelle Croft Award for favorite celebrity. Who was your pick for series two? My pick for series two was an easy one for me because there was a really high caliber of celebrities. There was Jet and Shadow, as we've just mentioned. We opened the series with Tony Slattery, but it wasn't Tony. It was his fellow improv comedian, Josie Lawrence, that gets the award from me because she was so into the challenge. Even though she wasn't a gamer, she did exactly what they asked Tony to do, and he didn't because Dominic set yes. up for Slattery. He's like, oh, you can maybe improv a bit because you're an improv comedian. Nothing. Josie, they didn't mic, but she was talking back to the screen. She was having fun. She was doing a bit. Close up now. Shoot this guy. Well done. Even as she is now, she was just so damned nice to the point where i'd have actually loved to have seen it in a celebrity challenging something against someone else against a kid because i reckon you'd have gotten that annabelle croft vice you'd have gotten that bit where she is just so nice even if she wins she'd have made that kid's day better yeah no completely she was so so good she definitely made onto my shortlist of favorite celebrities as well because it was it was really good and actually like mad dog mccree too it's not it's not a particularly interesting game but Josie made it interesting because she was doing all the improv stuff. She was going back and forth with the game. She was doing the voices. It was, uh, you hit the nail on the head. She did exactly what they wanted Tony Slattery to do and he didn't do. She did it and did it with absolute aplomb. And like so many things on this show, it just brought back really happy, warm memories. For me, it was being around my nan and granddad's on a Friday because my parents were working and they would start again early on the Saturday. So that was where I went after school on a Friday. And it would usually be Friday, chip supper, and then channel four, and you'd have cheers 
and then you'd have whose line is it anyway lovely stuff and the gas fire in the corner and it's just it (laughs) it takes me right back yeah yeah totally i had a bit of an internal struggle over this one because really i wanted to award this to vic reeves i wanted to give my annabelle croft award to vic reeves because i mean how could you not want to to give it to vic reeves he came in he was terrified as he walked down the stairs because we found out he's scared of heights and didn't actually like walking down that gangway and then instantly just starts talking to Dominic Dahl about a lovely array of dials. I bet they shake your steps I am now. terrified of coming down the steps of that height. <laughs> what a pleasure it is to stand in front of such a marvellous array of dials <laughs> in one small area. <laughs> so, um, well, we like, to, we like to put a boat out for our special guest, Vic. Which is your particular dial? Have you got <laughs> I think, uh, well, this is a particular favourite of mine. That's yeah, what do you the think? vacuum. Yes. Yeah. What's your, your favourite at a first glance? I'm going for the steam flow. <laughs> the steam flow one. But as much as I want to give it to Vic Reeves, I can't not give it to Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim Duggan from episode six, who came in and effectively tore up the script that was given to him, what feels like. You know, the story is he was super duper quiet. We spoke to Doug Johns about this. He said he was super duper quiet when he came in. He didn't really he sort of like mumble to himself. But as soon as the camera turned on, he came up with, Oh, USA, USA, walking around, grabbing Dominic Duggan. I want to play WWF Super Nintendo. And then you're just going up, tearing his shirt off, throwing Dominic Diamond, going up, scaring the kids who just start running away from him, grabbing that child, throwing him over his shoulder it was so much fun and then he was so animated during the challenge to make sure that the kid had a good time loved jim duggan now jim i take you on myself tonight but i don't want to get my jacket creased no 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 that's not the way we do it oh hacksaw jim duggan i want to do it fair and square so we'll ask for some volunteers out of the audience how about it folks any volunteers up there let's see some hands okay we're gonna tackle jim duggan I think they're too scared, Jim. I think they're bottling. But I flew all the way over here this morning, to especially to play this game. I'm and sorry. these folks don't want to play this game. A matter of fact, I don't think I'm I want to talk no. to you anymore no. out here. So let me make it fair and square. I've got one thing in mind, and that's to play some games, WWF Super Nintendo. And I'm going to play. Here I come. I just want to say that was an amazing Jim Duggan impression. (laughs) And I hope that your upcoming impression of Dexter Fletcher for Series (laughs) 3 is just as on the nail. I'm I'm sure it will be. (laughs) But you know what? I get your conundrum over Vic Reeves because he was extraordinarily funny in everything he did. His challenge was a disaster, Mm -hmm. but it was hilarious. So, proposal... We have a new, quickly improvised award of Funniest Challenger. Ah, I love it. Yes, that's great. And Vic Reeves. Vic Reeves was the funniest challenger. Out of celebrity or not, he was the funniest. Yeah, no, I've got to agree. I mean, it's it's funny as well because because Jim Moore's been on TV so much at the moment because he's got his new art book out. So I've seen him interviewed loads. I've like I've seen him on BBC Breakfast. I've seen him on Saturday Kitchen and on Sunday Brunch. And it was like it was just so fortuitous that we've just done the episode with him on. So I just feel like I'm in this big Vic Reeves mode at the moment. So I'm very glad that we can award him with something. I'm sure he'll be thrilled when he never hears about it. okay well it's time now to award the ashley pask award for worst celebrity of the series i i struggled with this one 
because I don't think we've had particularly bad celebrities, kind of like the challenges. I thought there were that were just a bit boring and a bit nothing. I think I'm going to give my Ashley Pask award to Sean Curley and Kevin Conway from episode 26 in the, the hockey challenge because the hockey challenge itself wasn't particularly great and I don't think they were particularly great either. Like they were, I, I just think they were a bit bland and boring. I can't really argue that. I think the challenge would be looked on differently by both of us if they'd just been playing NHL mm-hmm. because then the game would have been great. Yeah. Whereas the game they were playing wasn't that good. It was just New. a game. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. So I re- so I really struggled with this one, Ash, but did you pick anyone out for this? See, my worst celebrity, and this hopefully won't cost us an interview down the line, <laughs> it's going to be Kathy Dennis. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, I loved Global Gladiators and it was fun to talk about Global Gladiators, but she didn't seem massively into it and she completely bottoms out on that challenge as well. It does feel a little bit like, not that this was a vanity celebrity kind of a case of Dominic fancies her so let's get her in it was a case of she had a she had a song to promote Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah she was there for a reason so she was there to push a song she was not a gamer and it's a shame because Global Gladiators it's a pretty good game oh I bloody love Global Gladiators me mate absolutely love it music's banging as well she just had such a level of, I guess, disinterest and bemusement that it just didn't work for me. I'm sure she's lovely and she is a very talented musician, but whether you've got something to promote or not, only go on a show if you can actually sell it. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think that's absolutely fair. Oh, I'll tell you what was actually a really bad challenge that we didn't mention is um, is Catch the Flag. You remember the VR challenge that they did? Yeah, that was back uh, episode 10. It was a celebrity, a weird celebrity challenge, that. That was a couple of Australian actors, that was. That was um, that was Richard Norton. Richard Norton in Neighbours and Home and Away. He was another double dipper. That's right, yeah. I'll be honest, I think the main reason that that didn't occur to me is because that was barely a challenge. That was more like a virtual flailing contest. <laughs> There was no real skill on display or skill to be had. The game itself was wonky as hell because this was 1993 virtual reality. Yeah, and apparently made them very, very sick. Yeah, it was motion sick inducing for me watching it. Mm -hmm. I don't know, is that the worst challenge or is it something else? Maybe it's something else. Maybe we need to create another award. Ooh, I like this. We're expanding out. It means that we've got more to play with in 26 episodes time. All right, so what should we call this award then? The What Were They Thinking Award. <laughs> there it is. The What Were They Thinking Award goes to Capture the Flag. Not even Capture the Flag, was it? It was Catch the Flag. It was Catch the Flag, which is odd because the flag never really came into it. No. <laughs> it was more shoot the person with a bow and arrow. Yes. Or bump into them. Like you're having a really, really bad low-budget recreation of the sex scene in Lawnmower Man. Okay, well, that is enough awards for the moment. Quickly need to go through some corrections and omissions. Not that many uh, this time around. I think we did very, very well for ourselves. And with Series 1, we'd blocked recorded all 10 episodes before we started releasing them. So we only really got to do the corrections and omissions by the time we got to the wrap-up. But here, because we were recording them as we were going, we were able to correct ourselves throughout the show. So a couple that did come up uh, was Myth Moore who was in the review zone as, quote, rally driver, Myth Moore. We've since learned 
she did work on the show as we kind of theorized that she did and as you uh told me was a, a former girlfriend of dominic diamond yeah uh, as i found out from from dominic himself on one of his live streams over on twitch yeah john beveridge it was also in the review zone and we've just sort of failed to mention that he was a previous contestant on episode 10 of series one doing the decap attack speed run and the other one i wanted to bring up is one that i'm preempting in fact because we're recording this before we've actually released episode 26 out into the pre-feed and i was editing through this and it got to the bit about the nhl challenge or the you know nhlpa challenge with the the hockey lads and i was talking about the the mole rats thing where like they featured an nhl game but it wasn't supposed to be it was originally meant to be NHL 94, which Kevin Smith would eventually use in Chasing Amy. Like they play NHL 94 and Chasing Amy as almost like a rebellion against the fact they couldn't put it into more rats because the studio got involved. And I kind of butchered the story a little bit. Also, I said they were playing NHL 95. They weren't. They were playing NHL All-Stars. And rather than me bollocks this story up again, I've instead just clipped out the bit from the director's commentary recorded in 1996. I think it was in 96. It might have been slightly later than that, where Kevin Smith tells the story himself. This is a recurring theme, Kevin. Can you tell us about the the, the video hockey? Theme? Yeah, there's a we you know, I'm just I'm a fan. Unfortunately, we pimped out on EA Sports. We originally had the EA Sports um NHL 94 or 95 version in the film. And then um some of the uh the good folks over in production or post-production um hooked up some sort of bizarre arcane deal with who was it? Sega. Yeah, Sega. Sega, and and said, you know, if you include our version of hockey, we'll we'll put you on our Sega tour. They were touring around the country with video games, and they were going to feature us. Oh, that helped. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, in the end, they pimped out on us, and they did not feature us, and we had changed it all for nothing. We we turned our backs. We kind of betrayed our our favorite EA Sports NHL '93 or '94. Sellout in more ways than one. Uh, I know. Yes, just the, the last of many sellouts. It's funny as Scorsese has a running theme of like you know crime and grit in the streets and you're running themes yeah. video game hockey yeah. <laughs> or just hockey <laughs> you, know, you don't have to limit it to one meanwhile I've got one correction or more realistically it was me getting turned around and it was to do with Steve Backley and his records and I claim that his world record still stood until today but it wasn't its status as the world record it was its status as the UK or British or European record or look one thing we've established <laughs> during this entire one of a podcast I am not a sports person <laughs> Yeah. I go running and I buggered my knee playing rugby and that's about the extent of it. <laughs> I'm also pretty good with a frisbee. It's not your bag, baby. It's not my bag at all. It's not mine. Honest. <laughs> Those performance-enhancing drugs could have come from anywhere. <laughs> Obviously not as fast as Sonic the Hedgehog! Well, he won't be making a comeback. I guess he just ate Sonic too! Stay calm. Concentrate on the screen. Street Fighter 2 is on Super Nintendo. 
from the arcades, the ultimate combat game. Each fighter has a different technique, an acrobatic move, a hidden punch. It's on the streets now, exclusively on Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo with Street Fighter 2. It's unbeatable. British Bulldog's my name, wrestling's my game. It's tomorrow's Daily Mirror, the amazing secret of my life. It's red hot, so listen good. Plus, get your teeth into a free hamburger at Burger King. You feeling hungry? You want a free burger? You got it, only with the Daily Mirror. Take a big bite tomorrow. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Rev up for split-screen action on Super Nintendo. The race is on in Super Mario Kart. Each driver has his own technique. Each track, its particular dangers. Cut the corner, jump the barrier, but watch out for the driver behind. Skill alone will determine the winner in Super Mario Kart, only on Super Nintendo. Well, it's now time to get into your feedback to this show. Uh, We've got a couple of written submissions and then we've got some audio from you fine folk. Up first, it's Kenny Haslam who got in touch to say, what more can I say on this season so far? It's been great. Loving seeing more and more 16-bit consoles come to the forefront and definitely felt the show found its footing despite reusing of many intros. As for you guys, keep on keeping on. The podcast has gone from strength to strength and you're definitely in the swing of things now. The box office section has thrown up some films I've never heard of. So always give them a look. And the magazine section always opens the floodgates to the nostalgia dam. I just hope Auntie Marisha makes something you can both eventually eat. Honestly, it's prison food from now on. I'm sure we'll at least get watery mashed potatoes and green beans down the line. It'll be fine. Yeah. 
it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've, we've had a lot of really nice feedback for Series 2. You said at the top of the show that you felt that Series 2 of the show kind of really found its foot. And I think that like, this podcast really did as well. I think you and I found, found a really good rapport going into Series 2. You know, the, the edits and the process we got back like behind the scenes. I think it's been really, really nice, actually. In fact, I, even in lockdown, we've managed to find a really good process for it. Essentially, the edit is a two-part job in that for regular season episodes, I do the first pass and I do the fact-checking. Not perfectly, as we've just had via <laughs> the corrections, but I do the fact-checking, the continuity-checking and remove the flubs and a lot of the arms and the R's or any long breaks while one or the other of us has to go to the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> and I just trim it all down, tighten it all up, and then I hand it over to Luke. Yeah, and then I take that on and I then add the clips in, add the music in, and occasionally we'll just, I don't know, something will crop into my mind. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to quickly edit that in together. Like there's, there's a bit in episode 26 because the final challenger is called Jim MacGyver. And when I did that, the first thing I thought of was The Simpsons, where it's like, MacGyver, MacGyver, MacGyver. Aunt Selma has one hour to live. Hey, down in front. MacGyver, 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 MacGyver. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to quickly go onto YouTube. I'm just going to find that clip, slice that out, and I'm just going to randomly just insert that there because it makes me laugh. And the best bit is, is I will get messages from listeners going, I love that bit where that random clip played for no apparent reason. I'm like, that's awesome. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> Yeah, because I didn't put it in there. <laughs> but no, it splits things up. And I actually think it lets us produce a more polished podcast because I'm not having to worry about the music and the effects. And you're not having to worry about the majority of removing the ums, the ahs and the flubs and the whatnot. So exactly. Yeah, it's almost like we know what we're doing, Luke. It's almost like. Almost. It almost feels like. Uh, right. Well, let's get some of your audio feedback up first. It's Timey and Gruffy. Hello, it's Gruffy from the Fluffenhammer here. And I'm Timey. And he's Timey. And he's Gruffy. Hello. This is like the worst double act you'll ever hear. It is. Always has been and always will be. Mm, we are the ancient cut-price Poundland versions of Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. So, hello there, lovely people of under-consultation up there in the rig. Although I suppose you'll be moving from the rig now that season two has ended. You'll be moving to a much sunnier climb. Yes. No, they won't. Eventually moving to a sunnier climb. <laughs> like, before that, they go to, uh, was it meant to be a prison or an asylum? All I know is whenever you've got Dexter Fletcher, I automatically think of a building falling on him in press gang. Yes. It, it's up there with PJ and Duncan being shot in the eyes with a paintball gun. I can't see, man. <laughs> oh, no, man. I can't see. I can't play Garfield on my Game Boy no more. Anyhow, uh, so we want to talk to you guys about Season 2. Um, first of all, I think it's probably worth saying that I have to thank Matt here. Matt, thank you. You're welcome. For introducing me to the Under Consultation podcast, which I block listen to in the space of two weeks. You block listen to it in the space of two weeks? Mm-hmm. You're lightweight. Um, I block listen to it in the space of about four days. Yes, but I have a small screaming bundle of joy. And you've also got a baby. And I've also got a bit. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Matt introduced me to it and um, I blocked listen to the entire thing. And then I went off and found the Discord, which I then haunted like a small sad ghost for quite some time. Uh, and then Matt got in and spoke like a loud, threatening ghost for some time. You're welcome. And I think it's been fascinating to see the 
the growth that's taken place here, the the community that's popped up around under under consultation, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's a friendly, incredibly inviting place where I don't think I've spoken about roller coasters as much in my entire life as I have over the last few days. Again, I I have absolutely no opinion on the matter of roller coasters because I am truly a coward that will not get on one. I don't get on one. I just like to listen to the music. (gasps) Unless it was Oakwood Park in South Wales. Um, That's a nice segue because that's where I used to watch Games Master in South Wales. (laughs) Did you watch much of season two of Games Master in South Wales? Uh, Apparently not because I have no memory of any episode after the New Year's episode. Oh, I do have a memory of how the show ended, but I don't have as much of any memory of what went on after. Maybe it was Widow Twanky. Maybe it just sort of like had this hypnotic effect on me that made me block out all my memories. I discovered the Under Consultation podcast by accident because you know what I was doing? I was looking for the Games Master theme on Spotify and that was the first thing that popped up and... And that is literally how I found Under Consultation. But here's a fun fact. I discovered that me and Games Master share a birthday one day apart. It aired January 7th, 1992. I turned 12 the day before. Oh, happy birthday to you, uh, to you, Matt, where all of a sudden Games Master happened. I know. And also Dominic Diamond. And also, I had no idea. You don't really want Dominic Diamond happening. No, not when you're 12. My God. No. 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 Oh, no. No, no. No. Moving on. Um, No. Uh, I had no idea he was that much of a filth monger until at least season four. <laughs> but no, this podcast proves us wrong. Oh, yes. Uh, under consultation has shown that A, Dominic Diamond is a absolute filth spreader from the very, very get-go. And B, Patrick Moore was probably hammered the majority of the time he worked on this. To be fair, I mean, that was his fee. <laughs> <laughs> I find it absolutely fascinating throughout season two that what you're seeing is the emergence of a uh, a larger, not community, but a larger society taking place here where people are being dragged in and more people are being able to talk about what they do, what the games that they play. Um, and then you get E17, who really didn't want to be there because, you know, the cocaine was in the other bus. I think it's absolutely brilliant just watching it start to make these little inroads to getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Celebrities are coming in, um, more interested celebrities are coming in, which I think is a big part of it. And then on top of that, you've got the, the kids coming in who are much more... Savvy. Yeah, they're much more savvy about what they're trying to say and what they're trying to do. And I think that's really interesting to watch from the, the sociological point of view. You know, the the entire mentality starts to change in season. Well, you two. know why, don't you? Because nobody had a blicking clue. I don't. That's not even a word, but I'm keeping that in. A blicking clue um, as to what they were doing on Games Master Series One. By the time Games Master Series Two came out, everyone was aware of what that show was. And you know as you say bad influence was starting to kick off now as well and you know it people began to realize that this is a, a market that's fit for mining um and i think it, it's absolutely brilliant to just see these first steps of course the next season we have to deal with yeah white dexter fletcher a man who i thoroughly enjoy in every other work he's ever done except games master i had a memory of not really it's not really hating him more the tone the show took around him. Him, I didn't mind all that much. Yeah, the format, the 
the uh, the way that it's going to turn into a um, it's going to become a tournament that I didn't like. Mm. Um, let's go back to young us because there's also a bit of an age gap between us of about two to three years. Games Master to me, twelve year old me, was a gateway to like a forbidden sort of realm to me because I was brought up as an Atari ST and Commodore sixty four kid. Mm-hmm. So things like Sega, Nintendo, and well, coming up a PlayStation, none of that was even within my reach. I I had a dad who was like, either you have an Atari ST or just, you know, get out. Yeah. We are an Atari household. And so for me, it was I was living vicariously through things like Games Master and Bad Influence. At the time I had a Mega Drive with Sonic 1, Sonic 2 and Sonic Spinball. I may have a problem and... That was really about it until after the Mega Drive had died off. Being able to see the different games and the different consoles and even the different uh, news releases coming out, it was always something that sparked off my imagination, even if there were things that I was never really interested in. Uh, for example, if they you know, they were talking about Amigas or they were talking about uh, stuff that was coming out for the SNES, Oh, the Master System, you know, I didn't have that console. There was no chance of me owning that console. But it was cool to see it because it fired off the imagination, made you think about what that could be. Um, you know, in the same way that looking at an Argos catalogue made you think what that thing could be if you'd bought it. That's something I always enjoyed. It gave you a look into a wider world that you didn't know existed. Exactly. Absolutely bang on. Because things like, you know, the problem with me was, came at the time that, you granted if you had a Sega game and it was in an arcade, you were going to get a port. You could have it on any sort of home computer. Come the nineties, Sonic the Hedgehog came out, and I thought it's fine. I'll get it on the Atari eventually, <laughs> and I waited, and I I waited, and I I I waited, and you know what, Adam? I don't think it ever came out on the Atari ST. Not officially. I know that certain ROMs were hacked and put out there. They're really bad. They're terrible. <laughs> you can see Tom Campbell play nearly every one on his Twitch stream, but I'm not putting that... Uh, I am not pimping out Tom... You know what? I will t- uh, pimp out Tom Campbell. Go watch the Tom Campbell on Twitch. It's, he's a lovely guy. Yes, okay. We have just spent around 10 minutes of recording time on a less than five-minute audio, so I suppose we better say, what was your favourite celebrity on Games Master Series 2, Adam? E17, because it reminded me that one of them ran over his own head when trying to get a pork pie. <laughs> I, I don't have the same level of pain you have, Adam. <laughs> I really don't. But I will say, hi! Yeah, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's a personal hero of mine, so he's, a, he's up there. Do you know what? I do not care. I do not care that he didn't really like jobbing to people. I don't care that Hulk Hogan didn't really want a job to him and make him WWF champion. I don't care that Hacksaw Jim Duggan became WCW television champion by finding the belt in a bin. Not only did he get sent to the pit, he went there voluntarily. And therefore, he was both the champion of the pit and the champion of of my heart. And I think that's the finest way of ending this. Um, <laughs> Luke, Ash, take this audio and do with it what you will because I told you we are... You know, this is us actually keeping to the subject and we did nearly 12 minutes. I am fighting. <laughs> I'm fighting desperately to keep myself on some kind of tangent. Unfortunately, I have to point out that I really want to know how that diver suit smelt when people wore it, because that looks like it stank. 
that looks like it absolutely reeked. And I don't just mean a fish cakes, you know. Oof. Yeah. Or if after Dave Perry had a go at it afterwards. I want to know what Dave Perry smelled like. I'm expecting, like, off cheese and money. You're going to tell him that he was your mate's tattoo artist at one point? No. Okay. <laughs> We're moving on. Thanks, guys. Oh, those two. They're a pair, aren't they? <laughs> They're a right comedy act. They should be at the end of a pier. <laughs> or about five metres beyond the end of the pier. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thanks, guys. That was I'm great. Kidding. That was amazing. Yeah, it's funny as well because they they got in touch with us. When we first started asking for feedback, they were the first people to send us feedback. But they sent it so far in advance that when I actually came around to down- downloading it, the WeTransfer link had expired. <laughs> so I had to email them back and be like, oh, I'm very sorry, but could you send me this again? And they'd initially sent us an edited version of it. Obviously, I'd, I'd lost that edited version then. So all they could find was the raw file. They were like, you'll have to edit around it. You'll have to create your own edited version. And so I sat there and I listened to it. And I was like, I can't cut any of this because I love every single moment of it. So that is the full 10 minutes that they sent me. They probably wanted to edit down to five. And I was like, nope, I'm getting all 10 of this because I love every moment of it. Yeah. And hey, it gave us something to listen to and something to laugh to. So that's all good. As to the diver's suit. Mm-hmm. Now, I hate to burst some bubbles, but I imagine it smelt just fine. <laughs> because it was a neoprene diver's suit and they're fairly easy to keep clean. Probably all right. So, you know, sorry to just tear down the idea <laughs> that it like smelt like the arse end of Godzilla. But no, it was probably fine. Also, because the model inside the diver's suit... Mm-hmm. was also probably fairly on top of her hygiene. I would have thought so, yeah. Dominic's red jacket, though, that's a different story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Up next, we have got Xenoblade Craig. Let's see what he's got to say. Whilst the skit itself was given the side eye by our boys on the podcast, the cold open of Games Master Season 2 shows the marked increase in confidence in Game Master as a show. Diamond has become infinitely more confident in his ability to expertly fly under the radar every moment he can get, and Moore himself has molded the Games Master into his own character and has taken to reacting to the new set with gusto. The celebrity challenges have also improved, with the celebs being more game, sorry, for the show's shenanigans. In many ways, it feels like they've been blessed with the same I have no f***ing clue what's going on, but I'm here to enjoy myself energy that Moore is exhibiting. Season 2 was peak Games Master. Whether it was the peak of the show remains to be seen, though I do not think the absence of 17 years reveal any hidden truths on Fletcher's appeal as a host. That being said, the television landscapes of 92 and 93 were two different beasts. With the destruction of the game's rig and Diamond's supposed death, sorry for the spoilers, comes the shift from Channel 4 from IBA ownership to its existence as its own independent company. With the sponsorship deal with McDonald's, we will be seeing it from the office we say goodbye to Dominic and, for the brief time we'll have him, say hello to Dexter as we go from the rig to the academy. And with that, I'll see you anon. Good f***ing grief. Craig brings up something that we didn't really touch on. Sorry for the spoilers for the future, but we didn't touch on the change of ownership of Channel 4. No. But it does change a lot of what Channel 4 can do and how they operate and also what restrictions they face. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's something we'll go into a bit more in future, but as much as we tangent off on this show, the operations of a broadcaster, I think, are kind of going outside of our normal remit. Yeah. Maybe when we start to run out of bonus episode subjects, we'll just do Channel 4, What Happened Here. Yeah, and in fairness as well, the first episode of Series 3 is going to be like two and a half hours long. I don't think it needs... 
to be any longer than it than it already is. It is again not wanting to get into spoilers, but as big an event of Games Master season three episode one is, I think we've managed to make a pretty special season three episode one of Under Consultation because man, there is nothing left on the floor. I was going to say, strap yourself in, folks. Uh, right, thank you so much, Craig, for sending in your audio feedback. Let's hear next from Adam D. Hello, lads. Adam again. You heard my story at the end of season one, and I'm back here again with season two. Um, in terms of favourite moments, it's got to be uh, Vic Reeves. I just, as a kid, I remember thinking he was cool. He represented like a late night like humour that I kind of didn't get to watch as much because I was a kid. And he was just super funny, and it was cool to see the way uh, Dominic Diamond almost kind of revered him and looked. He didn't punch down at him for once, and that was a cool thing to see. It was like yeah, he's not just for the stupid jokes and being a bit of an ass. Uh, so that was favourite moments. Um, and then my worst moment is knowing that season three is around the corner. Um, I'm really glad you guys are here because usually I'll get up to season three on a rewatch and then just fall off a cliff and stop watching it and then. A couple of years later, I'll pick it back up and think, right, I'm going to watch all of it all the way through. And I get to season three and I put it back down. So, yeah. So we'll get through the Dexter year together, right, guys? Uh, Thank you so much as always. And, yeah, I don't know what else to say. If you guys, if people are listening and aren't patrons, get on it. The guy's extra content is really awesome. See ya, bye. Well, that was awesome to have someone do a plug for the Patreon that wasn't us. I know, right? What a lovely, lovely guy he is. With excellent taste and Patreon backing as well. Absolutely excellent taste. <laughs> he does highlight, I think, and not that I wish to use you as an example, Adam, but he does kind of highlight a general opinion of the Dexter Fletcher year. Because season two was on such a high and Dominic was off the leash and he was firing on all cylinders as a host and there was a really strong raft of guests and challenges, as we've already discussed. And then things get derailed a bit with season three because the format change and the host changes. As it stands, we've already recorded episode one and Mm -hmm. I've already done most of my note taking for the first half a dozen episodes at this point. I think I'm going to come towards with some of our listeners on the Dexter Fletcher yet, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, we we kind of found this when we, I mean, spoilers a little bit for episode one, but I think we did sort of find ourselves in that boat where the pair of us were like, I don't mind Dexter Fletcher. And actually, I quite like the format change. I mean, we'll, obviously, we're going to get into it way more when we get to series three, but I will be very interested to see what the feedback is going to be like when we do the series three wrap up looking at it sort of now compared to when we get to the end of it like what that feedback is going to look like then if we get any feedback at all if not every single listener by that point has just gone (laughs) you are dead to us and just (laughs) abandoned ship up next we've got gordon's feedback let's see what he's got to say hello just a wee bit of last minute feedback about the podcast and games master series two in general uh absolutely loving the podcast as always uh it's just such an absolute nostalgia trip through a period when I was at university and kind of just transitioning between uh, computers and consoles, having a Commodore Amiga and uh, getting my first Japanese console with a Super Nintendo and discovering so, so many awesome games at the time. And uh, there's so many memories just being brought back by the challenges on the show and just uh, your own comments and research. Uh, also, you covering all the movies and the music and the TV shows has also just been an absolute joy as well. Uh, always great to listen to. 
and always, always funny as well. There's always at least a couple of laugh out loud moments in each episode. Uh, my favourite moments of Games Master Series 2, uh, probably Vic Reeves' uh, attempt at playing Sleepwalker. I always remember even being rather bad at it. And the, the line, we fear snakes, uh, is always kind of stuck in my memory like a couple of decades later. Uh, also interesting seeing all the features on the CD-ROM and CDI and the 3DO, knowing, in hindsight, knowing what comes next and what actually happens with all that. Uh, so, yeah, so, some of that's been absolutely hilarious to listen to and thinking, yeah, it's the uh, eye that'll be right. It's no quite going to go that way. Uh, your bonus episodes about other TV shows have been uh, absolutely fun to listen to as well. Uh, again, it's it's all been shows I have fond memories of back in the day and they've all just been a great laugh. So uh, just keep up the work, guys, and... Uh, Hope to listen to you again soon. Another shout out there for the Vic Reeves Sleepwalker Challenge. Like it's, I think it really is one of the the highlights of Series 2 is that Sleepwalker Challenge. And, it, you know, it, I think there's a reason why it keeps coming up in this feedback. Vic was on top of the world then. He was between the big night out and the smell. And obviously he had a fairly large role to play in the upcoming comic relief night or Red Nose mm-hmm. Day, rather. Tell you an interesting little fact. I've known Gordon well over 20 years, probably closer to 25 years off and on. We've known wow. each other via chat rooms. Doctor Who, you see. Mm. So you were missing right. out, Luke. You were missing <laughs> out. While, like him, this era did mark the move from computer to console for gaming, I don't think I knew that he had a Japanese Super Nintendo before now. Really? I knew he was a Super Nintendo owner. I don't remember hearing about having the Japanese Super Nintendo. So so that was interesting. That was, it turns out you learn something new all the time. Indeed we do. Uh, right, up next is someone you're also going to hear from in episode two of series three because we have interviewed them. They're going to feature on that show in the consultation zone. This is Misha Sumra. Let's see what he's got to say. Fan Wisdom says that Games Master season two is when the show finally found its stride. Certainly the challenges are more refined compared to season one with celebs who mostly either want to be there or who can play along with Dom. Josie Lawrence's quick wit is very different from Bob Holmes' air of unflappability, but both make for excellent TV. The junior challengers are improving too, stage presence-wise at least. I suppose that's as more of them know what to expect. Like the show itself, Under Consultation has found its stride this season. The format, the chat, the way you two bounce off each other, it's superb. I particularly like the editorialising, all the info surrounding the games, the celebs and so on. Just really adds that extra little bit of context that uh, gives it all the more flavour and makes for an enlightening listen. For me, I especially like the magazine segments. It's incredible to think that just 20 years ago, print media was all we had. Back when ethics in games journalism wasn't a paper-thin excuse for online harassment campaigns. You can't look at the industry as it was then without looking at the press, and you two are one of the few retrocasts that do. The uh, Games Master magazine retrospective you did is still definitely one of my favourites, if not my actual favourite of all the episodes you've, you've covered. Just is. It's fantastic. Loved it. One thing I found particularly interesting is uh, going back and seeing all the co-presenters from the magazines. You know, these were people whose writing I remember from back then, but I'd never 
didn't know who they were obviously and i'd never made the connection between them and them on the page and them on the screen at the time of broadcast so it's so you go oh look that's frank from super action but he was also the second editor of total and you know it's just one of those little like nostalgia things where a little blast goes off in your brain I think the most fascinating thing about the review zone in season two has been less the reviews themselves and more what we've heard on the podcast from the people who were there, hearing about the process behind it and particularly how it was edited. I mean, you do have to wonder how much of the final grade was portrayed because of what the editors said rather than what the reviewers fully said. Features, of course, still the weakest point. You really do have to ask who writes them. I can only assume producers either strike PR deals, you know, we'll put out this junk if you give us the early access to your next big release, or you get they get to the end of the season, discover that the, there's a chunk of review footage that can't be used, so they need an urgent filler full of uh, misinformation about CDs. Consultation zone, you do feel that this season uh, Sir Patrick has grown into his role. Um, the stuff with the seagulls and the guns and the uh, scathing put-downs, all that good stuff, you know. It does add a little extra something to what could otherwise be quite a dry, hints-giving session. Uh, always good to see Mario and Link to the Past in there because, let's face it, those are both games that you need help with. You know, the, when, the, when the games themselves have to be including uh, hints to what you're supposed to do next, you know, it's a bit tricky. True story. Under Consultation is the first Patreon I ever backed, and I don't regret it for an instant. The uh, The extra content worth the money on its own the community we've got going on around the discord and on the patreon itself are oh, fantastic love it brilliant if you anyone is listening sign up i guarantee you will not be disappointed another lovely patreon plug there i'm beginning to feel a bit guilty now because this is almost feeling like we're bribing people and we're really not i'm quite touched i'm really really yeah, quite it's lovely. touched yeah same here absolutely um there's something that misha mentioned there about the features which is something that i, I do agree with with this series there weren't a whole lot of great features in series two i mean in particular you took some issue with with quite a few of them really yeah, didn't mention it after Gordon's feedback, but um, I've still got issues about that CD-ROM feature. <laughs> like, like not, not issues with the CD-ROM feature. I mean, actual personal issues with the CD-ROM feature. <laughs> Just thinking of it, and I start to get angry. It was also nice to get comment about the extra bits. So we do the magazine, we do the film, we do the music. It's been mentioned in some of the other feedback. And also trying to give a bit of context to the games. Because just me personally, that's something I've always tried to do on podcast is... If I'm going to talk about a film, I'll make sure I know at least something about the making of it, if anything exists. But also, I'm of the age where I grew up with these games, much mm -hmm. like you. And so I have some knowledge, but also I have to be aware that this is the 21st century, Luke. <laughs> yeah. We're old. And I know we've got listeners out there that didn't get to watch Games Master the first time round, if at all, because they yeah. might have been in the wrong country. It's nice to hear that those features are appreciated and the magazine features are a lot of fun. Up next, it's Paul from the Maximum Power Up podcast. Let's see what he's got to say. Hello, this is Paul from Maximum Power Up podcast. I just want to share a few thoughts and words about... Um, 
Under Consultation podcast uh, covering series two of Games Master TV show. Um, first of all, just want to say massive well done on putting together an amazing podcast. You guys have done some really, really good uh, reviews of each episode. It's been fantastic to hear some of the guests that you've had on as well, and that's been one of the favourite parts for myself, uh, that I've loved uh, hearing their thoughts and experiences. Um, obviously, I've just got to say, anything where uh, Games Magazines uh, are mentioned uh, have me standing to attention, or should that be uh, gets my attention bit of a diamondism there um so yeah like just want to say a couple of my favorite moments um my favorite episode that you covered uh although it wasn't actually a tv episode was the games master live show which i had nick clarkson on who i've spoken to myself but you guys got some great experience out of him so you know went quite in depth uh, as he discussed um dressing up as zool uh, so I loved hearing that. Um, also, hearing Rick Henderson being on a couple of times as well. And just give a quick shout out to the Games World episode that you recently did. It's just great to hear, you know, straight from the people that were there about their experiences. Also, great to hear um, your thoughts on Games Master Magazine, issue one. Um, and again, covering the Sonic 2 review. And just trying to think, also having Doug Johns on as a guest as well, you know, sharing his uh, thoughts of being on the show. I'm just trying to think, there's just been so, so many. Also, just, uh, you know, covering things like the Sonic 2 Challenge, you know, with the uh, Games Magazine journalists as well, because I do speak to um, Dean Mortlock quite a bit, and I forgot to actually bring that up with him, you know, when, when I've spoke to him um, on, on our show. But it, it's just, um, he's had a bit of a reminder, uh, thanks to uh, you guys. Okay, that's all for me. Please keep up the great work. I'm sure you will. And I look forward to seeing which other guests you've got because, honestly, this season you've absolutely knocked it out of the park. Keep it up, guys. That's so very nice. Thank you so, so much for those comments. Uh, yeah, the, the the Sonic 2 challenge. I absolutely adored that thing. As we were talking about at the top of this show. Um, so it's very interesting that uh, you are speaking to Dean Motlock at the moment. I would love to to speak to him and sort of rack his brains about what, what he remembers of doing that tournament. Absolutely. And Paul brought up guests. And we had our first guest at the end of season one, Paul Gannon. Mm-hmm. And I remember us recording that. And that to me felt like a moment because it's like, it's our first guest. This is yeah. either going to be a good omen for the future or we're going to crash and burn. And we didn't crash and burn. And since then, we've spoken to so many people who either appeared on the show or had ties to the show with uh, regards to our retrospective on Letty Edwards. Mm-hmm. And as much fun as it is just me and you sitting here talking about Games Master, going over the episodes, doing the retrospective, it's all made even better by speaking to these people because we're getting actual context from people that were there that are sharing their time and their memories with us. And as much as we say thank you before we interview them and thank you after we interview them, still thank you again. We've been very, very fortunate with some of the interviews that we've gotten as well. And we've got some, you know, lined up for Series 3. Some some really great ones for Series 3, in fact. And it still kind of blows my mind mind every now and again you know that we're sort of speaking to these people that were working on this show that was such an integral part of my youth particularly like you know it's every time i've spoken to rick henderson and i've spoken to him a couple of times now and like i speak to him every now and again not even just for interviews just you know just dming back and forth and there's a moment you're about to take a step back and be like i'm dming rick henderson here 
I'm DMing someone who was on Games Master a lot. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, there is someone else that we've both exchanged DMs with that we will be speaking to in about 26 or so episodes time. And it's yeah. mind-blowing that, <laughs> yeah. that one, they're talking to us and two, that they want to. And I think actually that was my biggest reservation about approaching people to talk with us is, are people going to want to talk to us? Yeah. Or are people going to remember? Because for some people, this was a big part of their career. For others, it was Tuesday. And that's literally the case of it. And we have had some very nice tweets and suggestions at various points over our history that's included celebrities that were on Games Master going, you should speak to these guys about your appearance on Games Master. And I often think they probably don't remember. Uh, yeah. I mean, Andy Crane didn't really remember anything about doing Bad Influence. And that was a good <laughs> couple of years of his life. Yeah. We've spoken to journalists. We've spoken to guests coming up. We've spoken to contestants. And if anything, going into season three, I feel bolstered to actually approach more people. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's anyone you want us to interview or like try and reach out to, you know, like within reason, do let us know. Like get in touch, let us on the Discord, get in touch with us on, on Twitter. I suppose we could always try and put feelers out because you never know. Like the interview that we've got lined up in, in series three to, to kick things off really was a case of, I, I messaged someone being like, could you do us a favor and, and put us in touch with this person? They were like, absolutely. So it, it can be done. Uh, we've got one more bit of feedback to listen to and it is from... Of course, Cliff Foster from N64 Life. Hello, all you lovely listeners of Under Consultation. My name is Cliff Foster, a.k.a. the amazing Cliff, on the old Twitter. And I'm here for my review of Games Master Series 2. And I'm going to give some cutting points of view. Probably. So I'm going to kickstart with the first episode. No, 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 don't, don't, don't switch off. Promise, I'm not doing this episode by episode. Ash and Luke have got that sorted. However, I'm going to say something that has split Games Master fans straight down the middle. And that is, I loved, and I mean loved, the intro to episode one. Now, let me explain why. I personally think it was actually Games Master saying we're no longer just this test run for Channel 4 to see if a gaming program can get over. This was the element of we are over. We have now a bigger crowd in the games rig compared to the church. We have actually better production. Uh, some of it a bit ropey. Uh, the pits, for instance. However, I think it was that element of a bit of a jokey, laughy, very Dominic Diamond way of actually saying we are making it. Now, there's no better way than saying you've made it than hosting your own humongous show in Birmingham. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Games Master Live. Now, my favourite episode of Under Consultation, not of Games Master but of this podcast you're listening to had to be the bonus stage where they reviewed Games Master Live. Now, I was only six years old at the time. I grew up on the south coast of England. I had two sisters, so no uh, clout behind me to try and convince my parents it was a good idea to go and spend a good jolly day in Birmingham with a load of enthusiastic kids uh, wanting to buy computer games. Their mum and dads were never going to buy them. 
Um, so for me to listen back to this podcast, it made me feel like I had been. It made me feel like actually a little part of that I was able to listen to with the interviews with Peter, with Phil and with Rick. Um, sorry about your stuff getting next. Um, but I, I genuinely felt that I, I was a part of that day. Um, and actually, you know, the subsequent uh, reviews of that on the features uh, of Games Master, yet again, really cemented that that was something that I would have loved However, under consultation did make me feel that I was a part of it. Now, talking about features, my favourite feature actually had to come from episode 22. And it's already been said by Ash Versus, um, even though I did write it in my notes exactly the same, that it was a bit... Monty Python's Hell Grannies. So yes, that was following Joan, Letty and Barbara go around an arcade and subsequently throw kids off of machines. Uh, It seems like their pension money uh, heavily outweighed my seven-year-old pocket money as Barbara admitted that she had every bloody console going. Um, However, I just loved this whole feature because it really... uh, I think it was just completely different to any other feature that we've seen. It wasn't, you know, Vajazzle, your uh, Game Boy. Um, it It was more that element of actually saying, you know, that it was okay to be an adult gamer. Maybe not that old i don't know uh how the uh 50 to 75 demographic really went down with games master i can't imagine too many barbaras are out there or are there you never know and lastly my favorite highlight had to be from this series mr chrome dome himself patrick moore the games master Now, I don't know if they gave him a bit more cooking sherry this series, or if he just got it. He just got what Games Master was about, that character was about, and his burns, his mic drops on poor kids trying to get some information out of him in the consultation zones, to him interacting with Daleks, chickens, and more beautifully, Auntie Marisha. That moment where he admits his love to Auntie Marisha. Oh, oh, lovely stuff. And do you know what? I'm so looking forward to Series 3. This is the moment when I got into Games Master in its fullest at the Games Academy. I can't wait to hear, Oi, Games Master, in a nice southern accent. But thank you very much for listening. My name is Cliff Foster, a.k.a. The Amazing Cliff on Twitter. And Ash versus, remember, my friend, N64 life i don't know about you but my audio clip broke up at the end there did you hear that <laughs> did you get that garbled yeah i i, I could quite make it out it, it, it seemed to be saying something about n64 being better than the snares but maybe something along those lines maybe something along those lines i mean poor deluded cliff is all i can say <laughs> but also shut the front door someone is looking forward to season three <laughs> <laughs> If ever there was an evidence that he is a sick mind, then it's the fact that he is apparently looking forward to Series 3. Although, yeah, we are as well. The Games Master Live episode was was really nice because it did also really help cement to me what I remembered as being actual memory as opposed to kind of a mixture of half memories and maybe what I read in magazines and maybe what my brain filled in the gaps with as 
I got older and things just dropped out the back end. Yeah, it was so much fun putting that episode together. It was it was a bit of a labor of love that one because it was like it was contacting people and it was it felt like it was very last minute that we actually started to get all of that stuff together and get all those interviews done. But it really was I, I was really proud of how it came out. I was I really was chuffed with that episode when it was all finished. I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed putting it together and finding that Quavers video with Johnny Vaughan and the pushover challenge. Like as soon as I found that, I was like, yeah, this is totally worth doing now. This is definitely worth doing it, if only just to talk about this video. The most striking thing when you enter the Games Master Show is the fact that Quavers have their stand right here in front of the turnstile. Everyone that passes through, this is the first thing they see. And on this stand, they've been running competitions, two competitions every day to win an Amiga 600 game system. The contest, to see how many levels you can do on Colin Curley's very own pushover game in two minutes. The record so far is eight. It's been mentioned by a number of people in feedback, and obviously we got a lot of comments on it at the time. But I don't think I'll regret saying this, but I remember when we were recording our stuff for that episode, we were going through that session trying to work out what the episode was going to be as we went along. Yes. Oh, yeah. We knew we wanted to do it, but then we got to it. And while we definitely nailed down the process of covering a half an hour TV show, be a Games Master, be a bad influence or stretch it out. And we got Crystal Maze or even Funhouse. But how do you tackle a live event? And I will say, while we normally split the editing duties, that one was pretty much all you. And you did an amazing job. And when I heard it, I'm just like, well, this guy's clearly a genius. Why am I even bothering? Oh, thank you very much. It was a long day. It was I, I, I had like a whole day blocked out where I was like, I'm going to get this done. But yeah, no, it was it was so much fun to put together going through the magazine. I think it helped the fact that that you were there and we'd already spoken to Dave Bulmer as well because he, he guessed it on the show and he told his memories. So already in my head, I was like, at the very least, I've got two people. And then when I was, uh, Doug Johns had said things, I was like, okay, I've got three. And then Rick Henderson, that's definitely four. And then, yeah, it just very much came together at the last minute. But I'm, I'm really, really pleased that it came together. I'm really pleased that people like that episode as well. We've got one more bit of feedback to read here. This comes in from Sean, who says, hi, guys. My feedback for Series 2, it's been fantastic. It's great hearing from people that were on the show. Hearing the ins and outs of Games Master is very interesting. I love hearing what's happening around the time of each episode. Series 2 was a big hit for me. It made me want to join the Patreon page and get that early access it's another plug there thank you sean that's genuinely what it says on the screen we are not adding that in <laughs> plus there's loads of super mario world because snes was the best that's from sean i like sean sean's a good <laughs> lad he's got his head screwed on straight right well we've got a couple of more awards to give out here uh, and we're kicking things off with our favorite feature from series two ash what have you got it's got to be pensioners in the arcade it's, it's got to be letty and co because i think letty is just one of my favorite people that I've kind of discovered via Games Master. A lot of people say video games are just for kids. Well, Letty Edwards certainly proved them wrong when she became a golden joystick winner last year. We took her and two similarly funky oldsters to the Trocadero to spend some quality time together and find out exactly what makes them tick as far as games are concerned. First of all, they politely queued up for a shot of the Suzuka 8-hour motorbike game. got two Nintendos. I've got the first one that came out and then they've got this 16-bit Nintendo and I've also got the Sega Mega Drive. About six years ago I bought the uh, Amiga. What you can, Grandma? No, I can't do that. What you can, Grandma? Anyway, she put it down and while she was out of the room and decided to have a go and that was it. 
And so seeing that feature was amazing. And then getting to talk to Letty's daughter afterwards just cemented it as being so wonderful and just so heartwarming. And yeah, Python-esque. The runner-up for it would be the Danny Curley feature. Since Games Master began, games playing has been dominated by one man, the great Daniel Curley. Tonight's feature assesses the life of this gaming legend. I was uh, born in Manchester, uh, in a hospital called Crumpsall, and six years later, started playing video games. When we got that first joystick, I remember it well. He said to me, I'm going to be the world's greatest games player. I laughed at him, of course, but uh, well, since then, no one's been able to touch him, have they? I first heard about the UK Sega Championship through an article in a magazine. I had confidence in myself, entered the Manchester final, went to the UK final, destroyed everybody, and uh, went for the European final, which I won easy. Danny successfully defended his UK Championship last year and began work as a professional games tester for Teartex. However, a scandal broke out when Sega sensationally stripped him of his title because he now was a professional player. I still reckon I'm a righteous game player. Could take on Razor Abdelali any time, who's currently the European Sega champion. So Razor, you know my name, you know where I live, any time. Legends are created by adoring fans, so what do the people think about Danny? He's fantastic. Utterly fantastic. Maybe a little bit better than me, but he's alright. Ooh. He could definitely beat me. Well, I think he's uh, not bad as Evans. He's, he's like God, like he's God. Morrison all over again. Magic. His uh, dexterity, his unflagging ability to play 10 hours on end without food, light, uh, qualifies him as a major video game mushroom. Finally, Danny, what's your message to the world? You want to be a true games tester, play hard and do good at school. You want to be a true champion and forget it, there's only one, me. Daniel Curley, we salute you. Because that kind of went from Python to Ruttles. That went a bit more Spinal Tap as well. And I really appreciated that. I appreciated the features that basked in their irreverence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And were there to be fun rather than try to be, hey, look at this bit of expensive tech we're being asked to promote. Yeah, like those features were so much better than like, you know, the Michael Jordan one we had at the end of the series eh, in episode 26 where it's just like here is a michael jordan game that is coming out cool like it, I, I, yeah i i'm with you the gaming grannies and the life of times of danny curley uh, are certainly my favorite features from the show as well the other one i wanted to give a shout out to only because i it's something that i get a massive kick out of it's the sonic 2 speed runs and finally how could we possibly let the week go by without mentioning sonic 2 released earlier this week not only were we the first people to show you the game two months ago we've actually tracked the person down we think completed it in the fastest time. Here's Paul Reed from Leicester. Brought the game at 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, took it home, put it in, completed it on my first attempt in 2 hours 4 minutes, collecting all 7 chaos emeralds, then wrapped it up for my mate's Christmas present, and then got ready and went down the pub. Here are a sample of those others who phoned us up to say they've completed the game on the day they bought it. It just goes to show to be this good takes uh, two hours, four minutes, actually. It felt like that feature was there to bury the game somewhat, to be like, by the way, it's dead short and you can complete it in only a couple of hours and you're paying top dollar for it. Um, you know, the, the, the Games Master magazine giving it a, a low review basically because of the fact it's very short. Also, it's much more of the same. But I got a kick out of that feature. I always felt like it was this cool, like sort of underworld thing with these people like, yeah, I completed it on day of release and this is the quickest time that I could do it in. 
it's earlydayspeedrun.com and and I got a massive massive kick out of that and I got to give that one a special shout out as well because as much as I didn't know that Gordon a guy I've known for 20 plus years had an import Super Nintendo I didn't know that my mate Mensky who I've known since 1995 I think certainly a way back when I had no idea that he was on Games Master until we were reviewing it for this podcast and I saw the name come up and I'm like that's odd (laughs) I know that name and I dropped him a message and he's like yeah that was me and (laughs) it led to I think for me the most unexpected interview we've had thus far because it's not even interviewing someone that I'm familiar with it's interviewing someone that I've known all of my adult life and some of my teenage life as well that was one of my favorite interviews from the series as well it was so so cool Uh, and and hear that story as well because I mean like we weren't sure whether you're going to be able to get it recorded in time we kind of like had a written version of it as well that we sort of read out uh, in in the record that we first did that we were going to use just in case and that was where they mentioned the uh dave bulmer song that he did where he did his acapella version of the end of sonic 2 where it mentions Honestly, this world feels so damn small. We keep discovering people that know other people, and we're going to be interviewing someone later in Series 3 that has ties to Mensky and other people, (laughs) including the guy that writes our theme music. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's lovely to be kind of moving in these circles, and it's been so welcoming as well. Like we, you, we the feedback we had there, talking about how great our Discord is, and that I, I love the Discord that we've got set up, and I love the little community that we're building. And yeah, just talking to people like uh, Paul Gannon, I, I've really enjoyed uh, being welcomed in with open arms to uh, to this world that I always wanted to be a part of. Ash, it's now time for the Naked and Begging Awards for the worst feature of series two cd-rom moving on i was gonna say do i even need to ask this year the buzzword is most definitely cd three systems are out now philips cdi commodore cdtv and pc cd-rom but with sega's mega cd-rom coming out next month some of you may be wondering what the whole malarkey is about well we've got les crane chairman of software toolworks one of the pioneers of cd software to tell us exactly what it's about. When you have a disk-based system, you're storing the material that you want to store, the data, on a magnetic medium like a tape or a floppy disk, and the space is extremely limited. When you're using CD, you're using an actual laser light to read the bits and bytes of information off a laser disk, and the amount of data, information that can be stored is thousands of times greater. Okay, here's the deal. CD-ROM means read-only memory. So when you put a CD-ROM player in your machine, all you can do is read off of that disk, but you can't write to it. In other words, you can't interact with it. Now, Philips has their CDI system, which is CD interactive, so that you can be involved to a certain degree with the CD-ROM disk. Didn't miss by much. The Commodore version of that is called CDTV. You could theoretically have a movie, for example, in which there would be several different endings, and you could get to play a part in the movie and choose which ending you wanted to go for. But what about the games themselves? If you can imagine that 
an old floppy disk or a or a cartridge that you put in the old Sega or the old Nintendo system held maybe a page worth of material and a CD disk holds a library's worth of material. If you're playing an adventure game, can you imagine how many thousands of rooms and thousands of characters and the graphics and the sound and the full motion video pictures that can be put on those games? They're going to be a heck of a lot more fun to play. There were some dross features. The actual Amiga, Atari, Acorn feature. One, yeah, yeah. The Acorn one, that's it. Yeah, 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 that was a pretty bad feature. And if not for the CD feature, that would have probably been my worst feature of the series because it was meaningless. They were comparing apples to oranges and making shit out of carrots. Mm-hmm. But then, thankfully for Acorn, Amiga and Atari, the CD-ROM feature came along, which wasn't just meaningless. It was bollocks. <laughs> Almost every single thing that came out of that guy's mouth was bullshit. It's the sort of stuff that salespeople say to sell you zero oxygen HDMI cables. Mm -hmm. That's the level of bullshit that was coming out. And yeah, as you can tell, it still grinds my gears. I don't even remember it from watching Games Master the first time round. Maybe I just blanked it out. Mm -hmm. But in the cold light of 2020, of all the things that get me really angry this year, it's a feature (laughs) on CD-ROMs where basic math cannot even be applied. Yeah, I mean, it's easily the the worst feature that was on Series 2. I think the CD feature is definitely your thing. So I'm going to give my award to a different feature. I'm going all the way back to episode 2 and Funkmeister T doing a remix of Super Mario Land. And now for this week's feature. Those of you who have tried to strut your stuff to the music from a Game Boy will know that something is most definitely missing. However, help is at hand as more and more musicians are using the sound from video games as the basis for chart-busting tracks. Sample Master T shows us how with Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. I want to make it into something much more interesting. So I think we're going to speed that up. Let me turn this off. See if we can play on the keyboard over here. Yeah, now, now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. We're gonna go with that. Now what do I need? Uh, I need a break, that's it. I need to call a DJ friend over here and he can cut it in for me. Yeah, rude boy, yeah, peace. Okay, you can give me a break? Yeah, yeah take that off. Right, record's on, he's just gearing it up. Yeah, got it. Okay, let's go. Right, now for the final touch, all we need is the vocals. And here's something I prepared earlier. Hi. Yeah, I'm okay. Ready? Games Master, let's play a game. Great, all the ingredients are in place. We've come from this to an almighty bass. Taking one of the great video game songs and making it rubbish. I will say, as crap as that Mario remix was, at least they went into a feature saying they were going to do something and as shonky as it was, they actually did what they said they were going to do. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Games Master, let's play a game. Amazed it didn't make the theme music. (laughs) 
maybe that's what we should be using. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be commissioning original themes. Maybe we should just be using that bit of music from the beginning of season two for all time. <laughs> okay, well, it's time for the Diamondism Award for our favourite dick joke of series two. Um, yeah, I, I found this one actually was much harder than it was in series one, hey. to be honest. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Stiff competition. It is a... <laughs> Uh, what did you have? What was your favourite dick joke of series two? This is the last diamondism we're going to get for 26 episodes. Mm-hmm. And my diamondism award for favourite dick joke is not by Dominic Diamond. It's by Josie Lawrence, who sees that Dominic Diamond is going to make a joke about using the joystick for masturbation and she beats him to the punch. I'll have to go home and work out where to put it. It was brilliant because there were a couple of moments with comedians where they went toe-to-toe. We've talked about Vic Reeves and Tony Slattery went toe-to-toe with Dominic, not in the way that necessarily Dominic wanted, but just in other little things like asking if he was going to a wedding or calling him Mm -hmm. Patricia and stuff like that. Even when we had the Celtic v Rangers stuff, there was the banter back and forth about footballers. But I think Josie is the only one that went toe-to-toe on the filth with an honourable mention for Jane Goodman. Yeah. When it came to the Sonic Challenge, she measured up. And do you know what? That's a nice lead-in because, controversially, that's my favourite diamondism as well from Jane Goldman when she said... But um, if I had to ask you to pick one of these two Nubal young boys, who would you go for? I'll take them both. I just loved it. It really, really made me laugh. And it made all of them laugh as well, which is crucially to this, because you can see the lads down there getting ready to play Sonic 2. They bust a gut laughing. Dominic Diamond is laughing as well. I absolutely loved it. My runner up for it actually came from a previous interviewee, Duncan Willis, when he reviewed SimCity and said, You want a massive erection in the middle of the high street? You've got it. Because... I mean, it's always good to make massive erection jokes. And actually, and a little bit of a wooden spoon, a little bit of an extra award, the entire To The Earth Challenge. How are you getting on with this rather novel joystick? Well, it's pretty tough, but hopefully my bangs will come in and I'll get to Uranus. Which was basically just so they could make loads of dick jokes and have a kid stand there and bang his way to Uranus. Yes, on one level, it's a wooden spoon. On another, I laughed like a twat during that challenge. (laughs) No, so did I. (laughs) See, my wooden spoon would sadly go to the Star Fox review. SFX, more like (laughs) SEX. Oh, Tim. Although, interestingly, maybe that was an influence for an upcoming future publishing magazine where (laughs) SFX magazine, for most of its existence, has made a habit out of covering the bottom of the F. (laughs) Before we get into our positive outro, let's look at what was our worst moment of Series 2. This is a tough one. I, I wanted to say it was Pinball Fantasies not getting a fair showing, but I kind of, you know, I've already awarded that to, to something else. So I think my worst moment of, of Series 2, and this feels like it's a bit of an umbrella thing, so it may not be particularly fair. There were too many American laser shooting games, and there were so many of them, and they were all the fucking same. And unless the celebrity doing it was good, they were all pretty naff now for me the worst moment because again i've already given a number of different awards as have you i'm going to go for the worst moment to being an element of a challenge that was clearly there for marketing purposes it was during episode 15 nigel mansell's world championship racing where they were using the free floating steering wheel Mm -hmm. that was the pack-in with that game and it didn't 
work. It didn't work throughout the challenge. You can tell it wasn't working throughout the challenge because people spent most of the challenge driving off the road and into the hoardings. The other thing I wanted to mention about all those bloody American laser games is they are a pain in the ass to get soundtracks for. I like to be able to have Games Master introduces it. While we're talking about the game, I've got music from the menu. I've got the music from the title screen. I've got music from one of the levels playing underneath. That is very difficult to do with American laser games because their soundtracks aren't readily available on YouTube for me to steal. And so I then have to steal it from the actual people playing gameplay footage and cut around it. It's a bloody nightmare. Stop putting those games in the show, please, Games Master. Right, so to end on a positive note, what was your favourite moments of Series 2? Something we saw start to occur in Series 2 was the creation of storylines. Now, we've talked about the narrative of brother v sister and the brother always normally wins and how they did the retake and retake and retake until the sister won. Mm -hmm. We also had Auntie M, the flirtations with the Games Master. We had the whole running joke about seagulls. But my favourite moment that I haven't brought up yet is actually probably one of the nicest moments. And it's when Wolf Wood came to the rescue of his girlfriend, Lisa. So Lisa has two minutes to collect $50 signs and get back out of the level. Lisa, are you ready? Then off you go. Oh dear, this is going to be very tight from now on in. It's not looking good. Oh no, she's got it. Oh no, it's over already. Lisa, Lisa, you in fact have broken the record for the fastest failure on Games Master. How do you feel? I'm a bit disappointed, but I gave it my best shot. Well, in special circumstances such as these, we must actually refer to Games Master for the ultimate verdict to see actually what is going to happen to you. So if you'd like to hang on, we'll just go over to the man now. I'm sorry, but that simply wasn't good enough. It's a banishment to the pit, I'm afraid. Well, it's goodbye, Lisa, of the many-layered skirts. Down to the nether regions of my platform she goes. Now, Wolf, you're actually here for a special reason tonight, aren't you? That's right. I've come to rescue my girlfriend, Lisa, who failed last week and is in the pit. That's right. Now, what we've said, because we're very nice people here, if you can complete this challenge, Wolf, Lisa will go home with you tonight. How have you been doing in practice? Pretty good. Pretty good. So you're confident we'll have a happy outcome? Yeah, I think so. Well, we wish you all the best, Wolf. We're with you. He's got a hurry, he's got a hurry. He's only got eight seconds left. The time's going down, the time's going down. Come on, Wolf, he's got four seconds left. Four, three, two, one. The dinosaur's gone. He's done it. He's done it just in the nick of time. But you did it at the end. And as a result, not only have you won the golden joystick, you have won a prize worth more than a million golden joysticks. You have rescued the fair Lisa. slip a discreet veil and let our young couple explore each other once more we're going to take a quiet look at this week's reviews that was a really lovely heartwarming moment and also it was a pretty good challenge it was pretty much down to the last second and someone's life was in the balance (laughs) the stakes went up plus i just really like them because they were both goths Oh, yeah. yeah, they looked really cool. Like, Lisa looked amazing. Episode 8, I think it was, and then uh, Wolfwood in Episode 9. I really enjoyed that. 
uh, storyline. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, for me, my favorite moment, I really want to give it to the Sonic 2 tournament because I, I loved it so, but I feel like we've given a lot of praise to that already. So I'm going to give my favorite moment of Series 2, and this may seem like a bit of a weird one to give it to, but I think it is, it's a sign of of things to come. And it just like, it, it kind of took me a bit by surprise. And it was the Star Wing review special. This week we have an exclusive television review of Star Fox, the most talked about game of the year. It's the first game to feature the new SFX chip, a revolutionary gadget which allows arcade quality scrolling, rotating and 3D jiggery pokery. The game itself is a scrolling shooting spectacular and we've assembled our own star reviewing panel. Nick Watby, editor of Super Action, Games Master's chief playtester Dougie Johns and NMS main man Tim Boone give the lowdown on what should be the game of the year. Having Nintendo and has got something to look forward to. Loads of action and atmosphere and overall an absolutely amazing game that left me somewhat aroused. For 60 quid you're getting something which is just about as good as anything you'll find in the arcades considering those machines cost thousands. There have been many games in the past trying to be like Star Fox, but none have yet succeeded. Star Fox takes it to another level and really blows away anything that's going to be fun. The only sort of criticisms I've got of the game is that it's really hard. I mean, for example, we had the game in the office for one week and none of the guys could get off level three. This game is rock. Star Fox is a nigh on faultless game. Amazing graphics, amazing sound, just the right difficulty setting. Basically, it's like having virtual reality in your own home. SFX, more like SEX. Buy it now. Which is, they, they didn't do three different reviews. They didn't just spend 30 seconds talking about it. They dedicated an entire review section to this one game. It made the game feel like this big, massive event because it was this big, massive event. And I, yeah, maybe so I don't remember it. I just don't. I just wasn't expecting it. It really took me by surprise. And I just, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think it really is my favorite moment of, of series two that we have not, you know, already given awards and stuff too. And it just kind of gave me the sort of like warm sensation of what a time we are in for uh, being a games fan. And it also gave us a hint of things to come. Well, Ash, I think that about wraps it up for the wrap up of series two I, I bloody loved series two i really did i had a blast re-watching it i had a blast recording every single episode with you it, it was a lot of fun because we got to do all the bonus episodes with bad influence in games world and, and the magazine and games master live 92 i I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed doing this series man it's been a lot of fun we recorded pretty much all of season one blind and so when we started season two, we could operate off of feedback, but also we knew what we were doing at that point. <laughs> a lot of those early edits of season one, there were moments where we kind of made stuff up as we went along. And in the case of episode one, we re-recorded half of it. Yeah. But season two, we know what we're doing. I've got a template and I know that when I come to make notes on a new episode, I've got all my forms to fill out. It's something to look forward to. I know whatever we produce... It's going to entertain me at least, and hopefully it's going to entertain you. And if it entertains you at home as well, that's even better. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to getting into Series 3, which will be out next week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, it is under console pod on Twitter or under dot console on Instagram. You can send us an email feedback at underconsultation.com. Or you can join us on our Discord. It's been mentioned a number of times this episode. There are people there chatting right now, already making queries about what we're doing with Series 3. 
<laughs> and it's just a lovely place to hang out. Yeah, I really, really enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not the most active person there, but I am a lurker of that Discord. I mean, I'm going to be more active in the coming weeks. Uh, but yes, yeah, Series 3, if you are interested in Series 3 and you want to get involved now, Episode 1 of Series 3 is available on our Patreon page, a week early and ad-free, patreon.com forward slash under console pod, backers at the £5 level, and you can get next week's episode the kickoff of season three the dexter fletcher years are upon us all aboard the dex express <laughs> and if you back to that 10 pound level you get a wonderful merch bonus ash what is that that merch bonus is a mug it's stickers it's badges it's retro sweeties it's five pounds off our first under consultation t-shirt and newsflash i've run out of pox <gasps> The pogs are out. But you know what I do have? Oh, Power Rangers trading cards. I have a box here of 100 packs of 1994 <laughs> Power Rangers trading cards. And because I've got 100 packs, if you sign up for our Patreon, you get some packs. If you order a T-shirt from our website, you get some packs. Basically, some companies throw in Haribo with their orders online. I throw in Power Rangers cards. So if in addition to the Patreon, you want to order a T-shirt or you want to order some extra badges or stickers or maybe another mug, you can go to underconsultation.com and place that order right now. Indeed. Uh, one last plug for the Patreon as well. Uh, we've had our episodes, our bonus episode, UCP Extra review of Crystal Maze and The Fun House and Nightmare will be recorded for November, an episode I am really looking forward to getting into. And spoilers, it's going to be off timeline. I gave Luke a choice of two time periods. We're leaving the 90s. We're going back. Not to the future. We're just going back. <laughs> And a shout out to those £10 backers, Robert, Jamie, Matt, Kyrick, Phil, Simon, Nick, Sean, Adam, Cliff, Adam, Rich, Gordon, William and Misha, some of which you heard on this very episode. You all rule, as does each and every single person that listens to this podcast. Ash, let's get on board the Dex Express, mate, and head on over to the Games Master Academy. Choo-choo. Oi, Games, Games Master. Master. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.